Welcome, welcome to another episode of the PodQuest. PodQuest. Broadcasting from all around Vol Nation. Where we talk about Vols football, basketballs, recruiting, and exclusive interviews with those closest to the program. Now, you're about to experience the PodQuest. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. From Ball Nation here, just south of the ATL, all the way up to Boston, across the great plains of this United States. We come at you tonight on this Easter Sunday. May your Easter have been blessed, and he is risen, for he is not here. We introduce us. I am the hostess with the mostest, PTC Vol. We won't discuss the mostest. However, I do have with me Powell Vols. Say hello, Powell. Hello, PTC. How you doing tonight? Good, man. Glad to have you on. I know you had to miss last week, but certainly glad to have you. We got the biggest pimpin' in the nation, Bleed Orange 23. How you doing? Hey, everybody. Good to be here this week. Uh, last week, I was down on the Redneck Riviera in Panty Mall City and at our condo down there and living large, and it's good to be back and with you guys tonight. Did you just say Panty Mall City? Because if you did, that's great. I said Panty Mall City. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Did you get a hey. bite? Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead, GT. Oh, do I get like a good intro like everybody else? Oh, I'll give you one. Okay. Here's a ready? sorry son of a bitch. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the uh, here's here's our gracious host who passes it around, and because of that, he is the most metrosexual Volquester that we have. <laughs> Say hello, GT. Good evening, PodQuest fans. Good evening, Tennessee fans that are out there listening. And we also have non-Tennessee fans, so thank you all for listening as well. And yes, we want to spice it up and change it a little bit every once in a while by letting other people host. We think it's fun, and I like to see what you know, see it from y'all's you know view, and then you guys get to see from my view, you know, being the host. So glad you're hosting tonight, PTC. Yeah, man, it's fun. I enjoy this. You know, every time I'm on, it's always a fun group. I mean. We've all become pretty dang close over the past year that we've been doing this. You know, who, who would have thought that just a random internet message board brings some guys together to make this for fans by fans, you know? Oh, yeah. Hey, man. It's, it's super fun. I, I do real quickly want to hear on Bleed Orange, um, did you go to Bayou on the Bayou on the Bay or Beach or uh, whatever it's called? Three times. Th- are you serious? Three times? Three times. We've got some of those Royal Reds there. Wow. And they they were special. And their oysters there are really good. Well, and that's an aphrodisiac. There you go again. <laughs> for the oysters. <laughs> we're talking about some of our pregame uh, conversation here. That, pre-game, that is, uh, pre-game in bleed orange territory, ladies and gentlemen, does not consist of a little blue pill. He doesn't need that. <laughs> well, there goes our iTunes. Uh, Son, don't worry done. about it. You, you get to be 65. You won't have to get the blue pill. Well, this has really gone if, down the road. in the family. You won't need the blue pill. <laughs> this has gone <laughs> downhill mighty fast, ladies really and gentlemen. Really fast. And for, the, for, right, my, guys, so. for my coworkers out there, I'm sorry. You can <laughs> delete this podcast now. <laughs> Getting back on track to where we want to be for the evening. Let's talk a little bit about uh, some remnants of the observations that uh, we have from the spring game. 
Um, obviously, one of our players that, you know, from the time he was a freshman, we thought he was going to be just this huge stud. But like a lot of our linebackers in the Butch Jones era, he's battled injuries. DK Jr., if you're out there listening, brother, because we know we you know you do, we love you. But, man, take care of yourself. Get that knee right and come back if you can. But let's discuss if uh, if he's back, what is he going to look like? If he can't go, do we have guys like Crouch who can really make a difference? You know, is Aubrey Solomon on the DL going to make it easier for our linebackers? Batuli, you know, do we have guys that can – Go sideline to sideline who can hit like a hammer like we did see Crouch come in on the spring game and lay one on Banks. What do we do there? Well, I think you've got, um, you know, there's a lot of talk about Shannon Reed and uh, some of the other guys stepping up. Crouch has got the summer to continue to learn the defense. Um, But, you know, DK is just not the same player, actually, that he was before. Uh, he's kind of fallen into, oh man, I almost hate to say this, Colton jumper range where he is smart. He can get the defense lined up, um, but I'm afraid with that knee, he just doesn't have the mobility. And, you know, he's got to live with this stuff for the rest of his life. Did you just say DK Jr. is like Colton jumper? Yes. Wow. We're going to let that one stand there. I don't think. Be out there. I don't think that DK was moving when he came back, you know, last year. He just didn't look like he was moving like he was before. I mean, the guy was just phenomenal uh, early on in his career, and I, I hate it for him. It's not his fault. It's not for lack of talent or anything like that. But injuries can take their toll in this sport, and they certainly seem to have with him. I'll give him credit just for giving it another try. I yeah. I can imagine the the mental um, letdown that he probably has, just the disappointment of his career, of being, you know, it's just, he's just gonna be no, he's just gonna be known by a guy that looked he looked so great his freshman year, and then he he gets injured and it's just one injury after another, and just 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 to be able to come back and try it again his senior year, I mean, I got to give him props just for doing that, um, even if he doesn't do anything. Just because he's giving it a shot, I think that's uh, that just shows to me um, the person he is um, of not giving up and trying to make the most out of it. Even though he's taking a chance, you know, it's um, this many knee injuries, you know, that's gonna that's gonna take a toll when he gets older. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. You wish you could get him out there and, and you know again give him an opportunity to shore up the defense a little bit because you need, <clears throat> excuse me, you get a little bit of that experience out there. goes a long way on a, from what I believe to be kind of a young team. Um, but, uh, you know, shout out to you, DK Jr. If, if it doesn't work out for you, the, you know, this year and career's over, um, you know, maybe he can get into coaching or something like that. But uh, just unfortunate yeah. all the way around. I agree with that, GT. You can't waste that mind. He has a great mind for football. Um, he, he is incredibly instinctual and it will be something that would be a waste if we can't get him somehow teaching young men how to play the game. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think about, um, uh, I know the board kind of went a little crazy about Tate Ratledge tweeting out that he was at the G day game this past, uh, actually yesterday, which it got rained on and you know, whatever. It's G-Day. Who cares? 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> my hatred for UGA runs deep and will never end. But, you know, somebody brought up the fact that Tate Ratledge had decided that he'd tweet out, had an amazing day at G-Day. And then brought up the fact that he t- tweeted out after the Orange and White game, had a great day uh, at Tennessee. Well, are we down to parsing kids' words now? I mean, why? <laughs> yes, we need him. But we also have guys like Justin Rogers who were coming in. I mean – if we could get him away from, from Michigan, that would be huge. And he is a corner piece like Wanye and Darnell are going to be. We need guys like him. Yes, we need Rattledge. Um, You know, we've got other DL prospects out there. Uh, what do you guys think? I mean, offensive line and defensive line, it's kind of like the Falcons. They, that's exactly what we need. I'll, well, take this real, I'll take this real quick. Sorry, Bleed Orange. Um, Go ahead, GT. He has been all over. You know, I'm kind of looking at his Twitter right now. I haven't. I don't see too much uh, Tennessee. He retweeted maybe one or two things about Tennessee, and then his UGA trip was. <clears throat> he's got about ten to fifteen UGA type, you know, retweets. So I do think there is some cause for concern. I, I think in addition to that, isn't Cade Mays number seventy eight? Uh, for UGA, or is he 77? I don't know. Which well, there, there's a photo. There's a photo of him sitting next to Sam Pittman, and they're sitting there talking, and amazing day, blah, blah, blah. And he's sitting in a seat, and behind him is the number 78 jersey. So I don't know if that's uh, an ominous sign or what, but uh, I don't like it. Um, no matter how many times he's been to Tennessee or whatever, you don't want uh, UGA nipping around. That's just my two cents on it. Same thing with uh, Tyler Barron, Eric Gilbert. Guys, we'll talk about later, too. I think it's tough as that Rattler. I mean, his his family, they are big Orange fans. And uh, that's what's really difficult is to think about the potential for Tennessee losing another Tennessee fan, the kid who grew up in a Tennessee family. Um, I met his father. And uh, his recruitment had not taken off yet. And uh, so he was, you know, he's kind of talking about, you know, it looked like his kid was going to get some notice and things like that, but he was still not quite there yet. And, but he was talking about how they're big Tennessee fans and uh, had a nice conversation and everything. So hopefully that orange blood will, will hold and the kid will make the right choice. You know, you, uh, you bring up a good point there, Bleed Orange. You said it's something about Orange blood will hold. It doesn't seem like that has really happened over the last <laughs> few recruiting cycles. And when you look at a guy like Reggie Grimes that we're, um, we're recruiting, you know, he's obviously a Bama legacy. And his dad's like, you know, he can go wherever he wants to. Um, but it seems like Bama will always grab those guys. And Reggie Grimes is a legit prospect. You know, how, how would we get something like that? How do we get our foot in the door to grab him? That's incredibly difficult to do. But it seems like when we get our foot in the door with somebody like Ratledge and they're, you know, big orange fans, you know, through and through, it seems like it's harder for us to pull them to the good guys. Why is that? Is it simply because where we are as a program or is there something that we aren't seeing? I think it's where we are as a program. I think that's probably the whole thing. Of course, you know, some of the people that we've lost have probably, you know, have certainly been the 
Butch Jones' tenure and the kind of shape he left the program in, um, hearing more out of these kids that they're seeing the opportunities to get on the field early at Tennessee. That's really, that's great. Uh, it's not great for Tennessee because, you know, back in the Johnny Majors day, they just, they never wanted to play freshmen because every time you played a freshman and started a freshman in the game, it cost you. So I know these kids are more developed in high school and coaching is probably better on the high school level and all that kind of stuff. But um, I, I, th I think that in this particular case, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I mean, you got Ojolari, whose brother is at Georgia, yep. but they're talking about, well, UGA signed a bunch of you know, linebackers last year. So this kid's saying, well, you know, the numbers aren't so good for me at UGA. So maybe Tennessee's more attractive. And so there are different variables that seem to come to bear on these things. I don't know what anybody else thinks, but that's my opinion, and I'm sticking to it. Well, GT, follow up on your dad. What well, you one thing I do want to say is I, I think that UGA had a very pitiful um, showing from their fans for how good, quote-unquote, good they've been over the past few years. I thought it was piss poor. I think that they said they were, had around 52,000 fans there, and everyone knows there's nothing else to do in Athens. So I'm really surprised that people didn't show up there. Um, it, it was a, if they schedule it to be on Easter weekend, I mean that's that's also kind of tough on families. But um, you know they had they had a big showing. They had a lot of five stars there, a lot of four stars, and I think just the draw of gosh, I'm Eric Gilbert, and there's another five star over here, and another five star over here, and and all you know all this momentum around this team, I could, you know. I could make an impact on. Uh, I think that's a, the lure for a lot of these these players. They want to win. They want to win now. They want to. A lot of kids don't have that mentality of uh, I want to help build something up, and you can kind of only go with that for so many years because Tennessee's kind of been the hey we're going to make Tennessee back to where it was before. And again, how many iterations of coaches are going to be yeah, are going to be able to keep going off of that that line? So, I think at the end of the day, uh, you know, I think you know Tate. Uh, Ratledge will probably be a vol. I think we, we do need to focus on keeping the guys that are at home, keeping them home, The guy, especially folks out of Knoxville or close to it. Uh, if you lose guys out of there, and, you're, and that's legitimately in your backyard, if you you know lose right. you know anybody, and I know Ratledge isn't out of Knoxville, but uh, guys like Tyler Barron. But, um, you know, I think, as they say, build the fence around Tennessee, try to do that. And then, and then anyone who has any affiliation with Tennessee, I think that was one thing that Butch Jones was good with was – you know, he sold people on, you know, well, outside of Trevor Lawrence, I guess, but, um, you know, he sold the people. He that put all his on Emory Jones on that one. Yeah. So he, you know, he messed up there, but he did sell the vision to a lot of these recruits to stay home and, and be a big, you know, building block. Uh, so anyway, I'm, I'm kind of going on a diatribe here, but, uh, you know, I think it is important. This, this class is important, especially for, uh, you know, these you know, the guys in the trenches, guys on the defensive line, you know, guys on the offensive line, you know, one year of recruiting some big time offensive linemen, guys, you got to find more out there because, you know, fix the O-line and it, it'll fix a lot. So anyway, that's, those are my two cents on it. Pal, I want to throw it to you here in just a second, but I did want to make a mention. I'm sorry to kind of cut you off and, but unfortunately this one actually doesn't really concern you in what I'm about to say. And I don't mean to be a uh, butthole about it, but 
Um, <laughs> just simply given where you live, it's tough to get the uh, signal. You, I don't, not sure GT or Blade Orange. If you guys ever listened to Nine Two Nine, the game out of Atlanta, you know they had a lot of good analysis on the G game, G Day game. And one of the things that you notice is that they lost a ton in Athens, especially at wide receiver. Now, it, is Georgia ever really a throwing team? No. I mean, I think, what was it? I think it was 2,700 yards last year for Fromm, but he had 30 uh, touchdowns and six interceptions. So you're looking at the kind of Patriot-style offense, you know, dink and dunk down the field, take a shot every now and then. Uh, they, I, I, they lost a lot. And you think DeAndre Swift is going to be the guy who can carry the load um, next next year? I mean, who knows what Zamir White looks like after he tore his ACL uh, just before his freshman year was out all last year. Well, I think yeah, they I did do some. Go ahead, pal. No, I was just going. I just I was just going to say I think um, you can't. You got to have more than one one stud wide receiver. It seems like anymore. Um, I agree uh, with that. Yeah, it just you got to have players on both sides of the field. You can't just have one guy. And I think we've kind of been down that road. It seems like every year we have one guy that's really good, but we can't ever seem to get him the ball because he's triple covered, you know. And so we got nobody else to throw it to. Um, but uh, you know, I, I don't really know exactly what all Georgia has wide receiver wise coming back next year. But they're you got to wonder with losing Cheney what that does to their offense, their mindset. Are they going to still run the football like they've uh, they've been running it? Um, if that's what they're, you know, who who was the um, who took the OC job? Was it the guy who was there already, the Coney or whatever his name was? Is he's a, yeah, the guy who, okay. So I don't even know what he does honestly. I have no idea what his um, you know. If he's a, a, a pass-first guy, run-first guy, you know, I have no idea. Well, you know, Georgia has always really been run-first. I mean, look at the guys that they've produced. You know, Sonny Rochelle, yeah. Nick Chubb recently. Um, I mean, even though Holyfield, you know, uh, those guys recently, they had Garrison Hurst go all the way back to Herschel Walker. You know, they're, they're kind of got the stud running backs and have pretty much always. So that's what they're going to do. So it's kind of like one of those things where Jake Fromm is just – He's like a nice piece to add to it. It's a luxury more than anything else. But who is who is behind um, Swift? I think it's Brian Harrion, I think. I'm not yeah, sure how good he is. And then you've got Zamir White. And we don't know anything about him except for that he was number one running back in the 2017 class, I believe. Um, and he's supposed to be great, but, you know, are you ever really the same when you tear your ACL? The only person I've ever seen come back from an injury like that was Adrian Peterson. And well, that's just AP. You know, I think the thing that's going to be interesting is um, you, you mentioned uh, PTC about uh, Georgia being dink and dunk and they have done some of that. I think maybe some of that reputation comes from their use of the tight ends who typically don't seem to be the types that stretch the field a lot. Um, but well, they didn't use the tight ends much under Cheney, even though they had well, Isaac Nada, who was a five-star recruit. Yeah, yeah I think they used them. I think they used them pretty selectively. Uh, they they used them at real critical times uh, in games, and and they got some big yards. But 
you know, that's one of the things that I wonder about, uh, you know, whoever comes in there with to be their offensive coordinator, he's going to be dealing with a team that has been built a certain way. And that team, as you've indicated, has been built upon being aggressive and physical and built on the run game. And the run game has really opened up things for the passing game. And uh, so I think that whoever comes in, if they're smart, they're going to continue to uh, move forward with that culture down there at Georgia and, and be physical and try and open up some things for the run game. I think Cheney, at, you know, one of the things you hear from the guys, it seemed like coming out of spring ball was that they, he, he really wanted to try and test people downfield. And I, I know sometimes we've heard that before from people. I know when Cheney was at Tennessee, people thought he was a little bit too pass happy and got away from the run game a little bit too much. Um, but yet we, we are also hearing that, you know, they are really working hard at being more physical. So, you know, Cheney has been out as an OC at different schools since leaving Tennessee. And I just wonder, you know, what his philosophies are and how he has changed since he left Tennessee. We probably ought to try and get him on uh, the podcast and uh, get his <laughs> ideas on some of that kind of stuff. And I, I think it'd be worth trying to do. Well, again, Cheney, I bet you he probably would. Yeah, I would say he would. He seems like a nice guy. You know, I think he'd be. He'd yeah, be, I don't think he'd give on. us a hard pass. But I'm pow. Well played, GT. This <laughs> depends on what TV show's on. <laughs> right. Yeah, thanks, Jesse. And the uh, depends on if he's moonlighting as a law dog. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> we love you, Jesse. <laughs> Yes, Jesse's Jesse. been good. He's been on a couple times. I'm sure he'll jump on again. Move over to uh, Harrison Bailey real quick, guys. That that kid is – I think he's going to be something special, but um, his peer recruiting is pretty impressive. Yeah. I mean, the guy could win recruiter of the year if he pulls some of these guys with him. What do you think, uh, Powell? How you, how you like what you see from Harrison Bailey? You're a resident Twitter expert. He's he's really working working hard. Um, he retweets a lot of stuff. He um, when you know guys are on when guys are on visits or whatever official uh, unofficial visits and they you know tweet out something you know he's always um, got something to say about them being here you know and stuff and which and uh, we really need that we really need somebody to um, help out. Um, obviously, it's right now with the way. Um, our program's been past 10 years or so. Um, anything helps, especially have a stud quarterback take over recruiting uh, on social media. And, uh, and so it's, that's really good to see him doing that. It also shows, I, you know, it, it, I think it just it shows, it shows good leadership skills too, just being agreed. that guy. I was going to say that. Um, very, very good point. Yeah. And, yeah, we need, and that. He, we need his teammate Eric Gilbert bad. Yeah, bad. Yes. Yeah. Well, speaking of leadership skills, I thought it was, you know, I thought I was pretty much a leader when I went to the, his high school to film him committing. I thought that was a big move. So he's taken from me my actions, and he's <laughs> seeing what it is to be a leader. So, In what fact, do you think, I'm PTC? Kinda, I'm kind of surprised from the you didn't. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of surprised you didn't uh, slide over to Wheeler High School, son, and check out the uh, Reese Dyke camp. 
Well, again, nobody asked me to, or else I would have been there, because. All right, what's going on at Wheeler High School up there in Marietta? They had the the three stripe camp. If they, you know, I could have put on my badge and walked over there. Yeah, I mean, you're saying nobody's asking you. You mean unlike the clamoring of fans who wanted you to go film the Harrison Bailey deal? Yes, and then they, I think most people <laughs> wanted me to do that so they could take screenshots of my face and put me, make me a freaking. There is meme. a pretty sweet GIF uh, of you out there. Yes, it's good. I like it. But no, I, I think back on Bailey. I mean, I, to your point, pal, I really like what he's doing. Um, I think he's being proactive about things. Um, I don't know if he. Ha- it feels weird though for how highly ranked he is. I don't feel like he. Maybe I, this is just me being disconnected from recruiting. But I don't think he gets an, as much respect. Like if he were a Trevor Lawrence, and people, I just don't hear people saying, "Man, I you really want to play with Trevor Bailey. Lawrence to him." I don't think. But. I know, but how come there's not? You're not hearing a lot of this. Like when people ask, "Well, what do you think about playing with Harrison Bailey?" Like, there's really not a big. Not say it's not a positive response, but it's not like a. Well, it's like yeah, he calls me pretty much every day. You know, it's not like I know that we would be just on fire playing together or something like that. You know, it just seems like, yeah, he's recruiting me or whatever. But I just wish there was more fanfare around Bailey. And it's not fair well, to compare him, but go ahead, pal. Well, just a lot of that just, just comes, with the, comes with the fact that as far as, um, like, getting a lot of social media talk and just stuff like that, a lot of that has to come with the, the fact that he's he has already committed somewhere. I think you lose some of your talk you know, na- national talk when, when you do commit to somewhere because you don't have that, um, just the um, conversations of where is he, you know, where is this person going right. to go? You got Alabama, you got Georgia recruiting him, where is he going to go? I mean, so you lose some of that talk, I think, on a national perspective when somebody commits yeah. early. You're kind of losing the drama there. Exactly. I agree with that. I mean, the guy is phenomenally talented. Um, yeah, he, he's going to, and I agree with you, pal. I think that's probably the best point you, you made in regards to him is the leadership skills he's showing and getting out there and recruiting. Uh, one of the things that I liked when they interviewed him, I think maybe a week or so after he committed, I, I can't remember which mod, um, actually interviewed him, but one of the things was he said that he sat down with coach Pruitt and they discussed who are the guys that we can bring in for you. Who do you want? And Harrison was like, well, I'd like to see this. And Pruitt was like, great. And we'd like to see these guys. Can you help us get these guys in? You know, they talked about which guys they want to build the team around to give to uh, Harrison when his time is coming. I think that's pretty impressive that they're looking that far into the future. Like, okay, this is the guy we're going to build our team around. So who are the complementary pieces first in, on the offense? And then how do we make sure that when they're, they've done their job, we can give it to a defense and they'll take care of it from there? Well, did, did you guys see um, his interview with Austin at the three-strike camp? I saw bits and pieces of it. Yeah, he, he was uh, – they were talking about recruiting and who he was trying to get in and – I, I think it was maybe uh, Austin mentioned Mays and Ratledge, and he kind of winked at you know <laughs> at Austin, and Austin even said, "Yeah, wink, wink." So I don't know if I mean the impression that I was left with was that uh, he felt like he was making a lot of progress with those guys, and uh, let's let's hope he's 
uh, he's on point there. Um, I agree completely with you, Powell, about all the chatter kind of dies down over a guy that's committed early and not really looking around and that sort of thing. But <clears throat> you also have to remember that, you know, he's been talked about as a guy that could come in and really be better than the other two young quarterbacks that we have on campus right now. So that's, I think, probably saying quite a bit because those kids are very young, uh, but they did show a little promise in the spring game. So uh, I think there's a lot to be excited about with Bailey. Agree with that. Absolutely. Yep. I mean, those those are the kind of guys we need to get on campus who are going to be difference makers and that we can make happen. Uh, moving over to our best sport currently, taking a look at the uh, basketballs. Women's basketball? It's their, off, it's their uh, off season. You know, what do we make of the uh, Grant Williams press conference? You know, what, do, what does that think? What do you guys think he's going to do? Uh, Jalen Cohn, what about Springer? How are those recruitings going on? How are the reclassifications coming? What are we going to have there? If Grant leaves, you know, obviously Kyle's is gone. Um, Bone may be gone. You know, we're basically putting guys, our entire team back together. Is Walker Kessler still a guy that we are going to be able to get in with? Looks like he's trending with UGA. Where do y'all see us going? I mean, you know, for me, I, well, one, the, those like 10 questions. So I'll try to pick one of them out of there. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think going back to the, the Grant Williams, you know, <clears throat> everybody knew he was going to do the same thing that Admiral Schofield did when he announced going you know, pro and looking at the his different options. And especially with the ability to come back kind of unscathed, even if you hire a which I think is a, bu a brilliant move by the NCAA to finally do this. You can hire an agent, go through the whole process, whatever, and still come back to school if it doesn't make sense. So I think that's awesome. And I think, I think, I don't, I'm seeing all these Grant Williams in the first round. I don't see it happening. I really don't. Like, I've even seen him going to the Spurs at 19. Somebody posted that on VolQuest, I believe, but I don't, I just don't see it happening. I don't think that he would get picked over Admiral Schofield. I think Schofield would, is a better NBA prospect. Uh, does it? I'm not saying he's a better player. He's a better NBA prospect. So I don't see Grant uh, getting drafted in, in the first round. Now, I probably am wrong and will be wrong, but I, I don't see happening. So I think he comes back with Josiah James. Um, you know, I think Bone, it, it's, it's a, kind of a wild card if he – goes or not i can see bone even leaving if he's in the second round because a lot of guys still make some good money and they get that second contract in their second round pick so i think if bone gets anything decent in his rating he's gone um especially with josiah james coming in so well let me ask you this uh what do you think why do you think bone is going to leave do you think it's you know I've, it's been intimated on the board that it's the hard love that the tough love that Barnes has been giving him over the years. Do you think he's just sick of it and that he wants to go and make money now for all the work he's put in? Yeah, I don't think he's necessarily sick of it. I think he just wants to go make money now. And and you get to a point where there was a lot of people hyping the guy up this year. And and hyping someone up, I'm not saying like he was overhyped. I'm just saying a lot of – if you're watching ESPN, you're watching SEC Network, they're saying Bone was one of the best point guards in the country, right? If not the best, how fast he is. You know, everybody was, 
he was just like TJ Ford that Barnes had over at Texas. And that guy was a first-round pick and, and had a pretty good career if it hadn't been for Al Horford, like, breaking the guy's neck one game. Um, right. So, and I, I don't like you, Al Horford, still, for leaving the Hawks. So, appreciate appreciate it. I hope you never yeah, win a title. Yeah, for the Celtics now. Yeah, so, anyway, and a lot of people will say that Horford was offered more money by the Celtics, and that was actually wrong. The Hawks actually offered more money, and he still bailed out. But, again, that's a whole other story for me. I'm still bitter this many years past, but... So anyway, I, I think going back to, to Bone, again, I don't think he's tired of it. I think he feels like this is at the height of, like, what if he comes back next year and it's not the same? Maybe it's a losing team or whatever, and he just kind of think, kind of gets buried. Because that's a whole part of this thing, too, is if you're part of a good team, you're in the spotlight. And people will highlight, if your team's doing well, they'll highlight, well, they're doing well because he pushes the pace. He's the quickest point guard in the NCAA, all these kinds of things. He's a floor general. And now if they go, if they win 20 games next year, it's, you know, maybe they take a step back and Bone gets not blamed for it, right? But he doesn't get as much credit as he got this year. So anyway, you know, I think he, I think he'll be gone. So, Son, I think you're right about, about that. I, I think that Bone actually, after the uh, NCAA loss and he was being interviewed, if you guys remember, he was really crushed over the idea of that loss and, you know, ideas of, you know, what's going to happen next year. He really was commenting on how they'll never have another team like that at Tennessee, you know, how close they were. You can't underestimate, you know, what sort of relationship he may have had with Admiral or with Kyle, or, you Mm -hmm. know, we we think there's a good chance that Grant is going to go on. And uh, he may just see the Tennessee situation as he's known it and the success that they've had uh, disintegrating just a bit. And uh, so I don't, I think that may have played something into it, or it may just be relationship wise, maybe not necessarily like, okay, well, we're going to win 21 games next year um, versus 31 or whatever it was. So, um, I, I think all that plays into it a little bit, but, you know, I don't know what his family situation is like, but obviously he's ready to turn the page and, and probably try and see if he can make it in the league. What you think of Val? I think he's 100% gone, but I think, but in my opinion, between him and Grant, if both of them came back, I think Bone has a higher ceiling overall than Grant does as far as going to the NBA. Um, I just, I'm, Grant is just so in between positions that yeah, his size is, doesn't really lend itself to one or the other. I know. And so, um, but, but I, I just think Bone has already made his, I just think he's made his mind up and he's already, and he's gone. Um, yeah. I hope I'm wrong. I really hope I'm wrong, but because I really think he needs to come back. I think he could evaluate or uh, elevate his his draft pick. I think he is a person that can do that. Um, but um, but you, you know, you know, you're talking about you're talking about his um, his um, just just with um, how he is with. Grant and Admiral and you know they're possibly leaving. You wonder what his um, relationship is with Rob Lanier and if that plays a role in him leaving. 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, because from what I from what I understand that a lot of people liked him. A lot of the players liked him, and he was kind of everybody's buddy and you know stuff like that. But um, you know, I really wish Bone would come back. I think that's a guy who can uh, be a first round draft pick, and but I just don't think it's going to be this year. I don't know if he'll get drafted at all. Well, I agree with. So then, Powell, what do you think about Kim, this new coach? I mean, this guy seems really bright and really presents well in the interview that uh, in the press conference that he had with Barnes. Boy, he really came across well. And part of his his thing is that uh, he seems to really re- relate well with players and may be able to step into that role that Lanier had. I agree, um, and I'm excited to have him. Um, he's a younger guy. He's going to be able to – I think he's – if I'm not mistaken, I think he's like 30-year-old or something like that. Um, yeah. He's he's going to be able to relate more to the players and stuff. And, um, um, you know – I just don't trust guys named Kim. That's just me. <laughs> hey, listen, I had to mention his name because we know the staff listens to the podcast. That's so, true. You know, I had to throw it, in my, throw it out there for him. I'd refer to him as Mr. English. <laughs> I think Grant, we were talking about players coming back. I really think Grant comes back, but I was really – when we were talking about the, the his press conference, I was really surprised that he had a – maybe it's just me. I was just really surprised he had a press conference to say he's going to, you know, he's going to get evaluated and see what happens. Um, yeah. I don't, do, you, I, do you think that he had, like, that Peyton Manning presser in the back of his mind? Well, you know I thought what I mean? that's – I, that was in the back of my mind. I thought that's that right. was what was coming. I couldn't imagine somebody, and it's just me. And you know, I'm not gonna. I don't know what's going through twenty one year olds' minds. You know, but I was just really in. I was just really surprised he had a press conference to say he maybe he's coming back and maybe he's not, and he'll just you know, we'll we'll see. Let me uh, let me propose this to you. Do you think that he got up there with an of uh, with an idea of what he was going to say and he was going to stick to that? And then the questions started coming. The press conference began. And then the lights got real bright, and all of a sudden he panicked and decided that he was going to hedge his bets. Hey, that's possible. I even I even wondered if, um, when it looked like Barnes was leaving, if he already had a if this press conference was to say he's leaving, and with Barnes staying, that changed everything. That would, that, would make, that would make a huge impact on me as well. Yeah. Well, one thing I would say, you know, I, I, I will say that I think that Grant has been in the headlights quite a bit. I personally, yeah. I, it could be a good theory and a possibility, but I'd be surprised if the headlights uh, and the bright lights did anything to, to sway his thinking at the time. Well, I would That's say a great this point. to you, uh, I'd say this to you, Bleed Orange. The bright lights he's been in have been something where he's comfortable. He's surrounded by his teammates. And even if he makes a mistake, he's got four other guys that are going to back him up and be able to clean up his mess if he needs to. This is a singular, solitary moment in his career where he is going to either turn a fan base who loves him into almost idol-like status or they may end up just loving him and become a bit apathetic to the fact that he's leaving. 
No, and no, Grant, we, you got to remember, he's got all of us to back him up. So they, we, he's got. Well, I get, I get that. But what I'm saying <laughs> is that with when Peyton announced that he was coming back for his senior season, everyone, the, the adulation was over the top to to that point. And I agree that you know there's probably some inkling of remembrance in his mind about that press conference, and maybe he wanted that kind of moment, and then he panicked. Now. Grant is an incredibly cerebral person, not just on the basketball court, but period. You know, he was looking at going to the Ivy League. And maybe his mind started running rapid fire through many different scenarios. And he decided that the best thing to do was to hedge his bet. Is that a possibility? Absolutely. But also, he's, you know, 21, 22 years old. Do I have any clue what he's thinking? Nah. I don't remember what I was thinking at 21 years old, to be honest with you. One in a million. So you're telling me there's a chance. <laughs> <laughs> I just couldn't resist that. I understand. What's all this one about, in a million uh, talk? I you read know? you. That's why <laughs> he like sees her. She's like, "Yeah, this is my husband. This is Lloyd Christmas." He's like, "What's this one in a million talk?" <laughs> I think that's one of like the best freaking lines. You know the subtlety of it. Anyway. <laughs> So, or the fact that I can't remember her name. Samsonite, that's <laughs> what it is. I knew it started with an S. Oh, Mary God. Swanson. Uh-huh. Anyway, so, sure. guys, Jalen Cohn, reclassification talk. Yep. What do y'all see that one's going? That's my other reasoning why I think Barnes, or I think um, uh, Bone, Bone is not coming back. Yeah, he ain't coming. He, that's, they're really pushing that one hard. It seems like Tennessee is. That's just another reason why I think Bone ain't coming back. Dude, he's small. 5'9", yeah, 150? Mm-hmm. Dang. Uh, no, wait, wait, wait. I hear he's 5'9 and a quarter, son. Yeah, but how tall How tall is Harper for – how tall was Harper for Auburn? That's was he like 5'9", I mean, 5'10"? I mean, he was a small dude. So, I mean, you don't you, – if – if if he fits your system, then he fits your system. I, sure. I mean, you'd much rather have a taller guy, but right, right. you know. What about we, the uh, what's the guy at uh, Southwest Missouri State or Missouri no, State or whatever? Just Harper was six one one forty eight. It says, but there's no Jamon way. Morant or something. Is that it? Jamon Morant. John Morant. Well, wasn't he like uh, five eight or five nine or something? The guy at Murray State. Yeah, Murray State. That's it. Yeah, um, He's he was two, maybe. Man. maybe He's yeah, 16, he was maybe. Uh, he was maybe six foot. He wasn't that tall. Well, but the that thing guy is, was unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. This guy uh, is a great facilitator, and uh, he's got a great handle and great quickness, and you know, penetrates, distributes the ball well. But he's a scorer too. I mean, uh, there's is he gonna is, is he gonna be like the Hawks trade Mendes, and he's gonna be Dre Mendes for us? Shout out, Clamber7. Boom, Clamber. What's up, man? Come on and get you some on here. Same with Pong, because Pong don't know what he's <laughs> talking about either. That's See, you open up, but you got me all triggered now, man. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. Well, wow. you know, what do you guys think about Walker Kessler? I mean, it looks like he might be trending UGA's way, which is really weird, because Tom Crean has literally built his entire career off of one recruit. And that's probably the number three shooting well, guard no, in the entire well, world. Well, if, also, if you look at it, though, he had Victor Oladipo at Indiana. He had that uh, 
the Zeller guy at Indiana, and they were they he got them to number one in the country. He's still a terrible coach, and he reminds he looks just like my old high school uh, varsity coach. Um, <laughs> he, he, you remember that dad? He looks just like him. They look like the same yeah. person, Goitish. Yeah. Um, but uh, <laughs> no, I I think Crean can recruit, and you have to remember it's UGA, so they're super dirty. So they'll do whatever. They've already got a five star in the fold. He's probably they don't them. care about basketball. They've UGA. got the number one player in the country signed or not signed yeah. or committed. So it's like which is odd. I know it's super odd. So I I can see them getting Kessler, but I think I don't. You know, we talked to a guy at the at the um, the PodQuest get together during the SEC tournament. And he said that we're not going to get Springer. Um, because of certain reasons, and I, I still stand by that. I don't think I don't know if we will. So maybe you know, what certain gotta, reasons? Uh, you know, certain we'd have. There's a lot reasons. of stuff going. <laughs> there's a lot of stuff that's being rumored around in the basketball world these days. So more of the Will Wade type stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah. there's just concern that there may be some of that in the background. But you know, the thing it's really hard when you start hearing all these rumors. And rumors can get started, and you know, unless you have an absolute absolute source, <laughs> you know, the person who's who spoke on this claimed to be, you know, an absolute source, but every everybody claims that. Yeah, I mean, you meet them in a bar or at a freaking game, you know, you never know who you're talking to. Right. So what, what we do know that is, if he comes to Tennessee, he's clean. If he goes somewhere else, he's dirty. <laughs> what about the uh, what about the the um the other West Tennessee or the Nashville basketball player. I think his last name is Johnson. Doesn't he, doesn't he play with uh, Bobby Mays, AAU? You talking you about remember? I don't, don't, don't Michael means he's going to the most envied coach in the nation, isn't it? Do what now? The, being AAU, doesn't that automatically, and being from West Tennessee, doesn't that mean he's automatically going to the most envied coach in the nation? Yeah, maybe. I don't, I don't know, but he, we um, this is a guy that I can't remember what his first name is. It seemed like his last name is Johnson, and we were like we were one of the first to offer, and he kind of exploded last year in the summer season, in uh, on the AAU circuit, AAU circuit, and then and like his name, we we just ain't really heard much about him lately. Um, Rob kept Rob Lewis kept saying that we were in a really good spot with him and everything looks good, but there's just not been much talk of him, but. I'm just about positive he is from Nashville. Uh, is this I the don't guy know who you're talking Bell about, Buckle? honestly. Is this the guy from Bell Buckle? Yes. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Yes. Yeah, there's been a little talk about him lately, but I, I don't I don't recall exactly what it's all been about exactly. I you know, they're still in it with him, I think. Hmm. Basketball recruiting almost makes me th- Skittish to even, you know, if I was if I was on staff somewhere, would make me almost almost afraid to walk into a recruit's home and not have stacks of cash t- taped to my body somewhere. <laughs> well, yeah, and I mean, because you you got less players on each one of these teams, right? You're not recruiting like football, and you have whatever, 54 players on – or however many you have under scholarship. 85 on uh, scholarship, man. Yeah, and you got 10, and really you probably have a couple big-name guys. But, gosh, um, I mean, Florida's starting to recruit well. Georgia's starting to recruit well. We you know we need to continue to, to build off this momentum and, 
get some guys in 20 is it 2019 still or is it in 2020 now 2020 it's still 20 that was 2020 like Josiah and them 20 and Pember is 2019 I just didn't know if, it, if Pember and Josiah 2019 signed. yeah is it are they they're okay I guess they're signed no there's still some verbals or yeah I'm looking at yeah 2019 is still active yeah still active okay yeah because yeah. we were talking about yeah because uh Cones is going to reclassify it, maybe. Oh, wow. Okay. No, I think we we need to pick it up. Again, we're going to lose a bunch of guys at the bottom line here, you know, whether it's Bone, Williams, Schofield, Alexander, or a combination of, of all those guys, and then possibly, what, Jalen Johnson transferring, or is he going to stick around? I don't know. But um, it's definitely going to be a different team this next year coming up. It's going to be exciting. And, and Barnes better, big, better be a big winner with all that money he's making now and that whole fiasco. And I think we talked about it last time. I'm still a little ticked about it. You know, we're all happy that he was here and, uh, you know, we're all, I'll admit I'm not really all that upset about it. I guess I'm just too small minded. So, uh, well, (laughs) I wouldn't say that, but that's funny. (laughs) (laughs) So, all right. So what I will say, what I will say is I think what he, I said this on the board, I think that was an absolutely moronic, statement for him to make but he's still here so let's ride it let's ride it out and see what happens well i will say this you know i grew up back in the days of looking and barnes and i are about the same age so is this when you had to uh smack gt on the head and tell him to change the tv because he was the remote (laughs) actually when he was probably before he could talk he knew how to use a remote control he's always very observant the check will be in the mail. He would crawl over to the VCR player, turn it on, and start playing these, you know, VCR tapes. <laughs> but uh, well done. Do you like my? Do you like uh, Pink Pony fan club? <laughs> that's <laughs> that's something that we've kind of kept behind, the, you know, the curtain. So we don't let that out much. But Shira. You know, palace of power or whatever. <laughs> but hey, real, you know, back, uh, real. Back, I'm sorry, back go ahead. in the day, yeah, back in the day, UCLA was it. I mean, they were yep. absolutely the national power, and I would say that you know, Indiana's up there, Kentucky's up there, uh, but UCLA for a long time was absolutely the iconic program in college basketball, and. That's what Barnes grew up seeing himself. He he also saw had a relationship with John Wooden, knew his family, has dinner with his daughter, and things like that. And uh, so I can see absolutely where UC, the UCLA program is really. I've kind of referred to this as as being. You know, just really the epitome of a college basketball. No, coach. you said something else when you talked to me about this. Say what you were going to say, Dad, because you're you 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 treaded really lightly. You didn't say the epitome. You said a certain school. A certain school. Yes. You UCLA. Said, yeah, you said UCLA is like the Alabama of basketball. Oh well, yeah. It's his Mount Rushmore. I put this on the board. This is his Mount Rushmore of basketball coaching. So. It's not at all surprising to me to see that he was enticed by that prospect of this 
thing that he grew up watching in, through his adult life and even through his childhood. Um, and uh, so it, it's not surprising to me. Uh, I think the thing that I really do appreciate is that and in, in, in believe is that he was truly praying for guidance on what he should do. So it wasn't like in spite of the fact that UCLA was this you know, great program in his mind and, and it was enticing to kind of bring that program back to national prominence, uh, he still was seeking God's will through this process. And uh, when UCLA came back and said there was a problem with the buyout, the fact of the matter is Barnes could have gone back. He could have renegotiated. You know, there's all kinds of things that can be done with money. And I think that he felt like at that point, uh, truly, that this was, you know, God's will that he not continue to pursue the UCLA job and stay at Tennessee. And this was exactly the sign he was looking for. And so I have tremendous amount of respect for him and, uh, and that kind of a decision and the way he went about it. And I think that Tennessee fans should feel uh, good about the fact that he just didn't flat out say, okay, damn the torpedoes, I'm going to UCLA. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I, I um, again, at the end of the day, we're, I'm glad to have Barnes here, but Powell, what were you going to say about the Barnes situation? Just, I have some, I have mixed emotions about it. Um, I can understand why he would want to go there. Um, I can understand their interest in him. Um, I think there were some things that were said that, I don't know, in my opinion, probably shouldn't have been said. Uh, You know, and there was a lot of talk on the board about how we finally have a guy who tells the truth and versus guys who just say whatever just to please the fan base. But um, I think that I felt um, just kind of confused maybe about um, feeling like that he he wouldn't be here right now if there wasn't the buyout issue. And, and that may be true, and that's fine if that's true. I mean, he's here, and I'm glad he's here. I think maybe that shouldn't have been said, though. That um, yeah, that's a little too honest. Like yeah, and, you and, think and Bruce Pearl and, would ever say that? Uh uh-uh. uh. Uh uh. And and, and and you know just um, you know, blowing off those questions or just saying something to get through those questions about how close were you to going to UCLA? Just different stuff like that. You know, if you don't tell everything every little thing that happened that almost led you to UCLA, just because you don't tell that doesn't mean you're lying or not telling the truth. Right. There's not everything needs to be said. Um, you know, and it well, put the board I, in a... Can go I ahead. offer this? That, yeah, can I offer this? I and mean, I, I totally understand what you're saying. I really do. And mm-hmm. yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I, I think there is a possibility that in Bar- Barnes's mind, this was the turning point in his decision-making process. He had been in prayer. He'd been speaking with his wife and his family about what to do, giving it a tremendous amount of thought, obviously feeling a lot of stress over it. It wasn't any slam dunk that he was going to go to UCLA. 
And I think in that moment, if we were at that tipping point, that if they came back and said, we're, we're going to work out of this buyout situation, then he would have thought, okay, they're working out the buyout. This is God's will. Uh, this, is, this is where I'm supposed to be going. They came back and said, well, we're having a problem with this buyout. He said, okay, this is God's will. I'm not going there. This, you know, this is God telling me I need to stay at Tennessee, and I'm happy to be here. So I, I think, again, it's hard. You know, he answered that question in that moment and understand completely why it was taken the way it was taken by so many people. But I also offer this up as another uh, concept to consider was that this was the other side of that tipping point. If they had gone to, we're going to work on this buyout situation, get it figured out, then he would have thought, okay, there's, this is where I'm supposed to be. I mean, that's. But I still I, understand I, what you're saying. It, it probably, it yeah. would have been better if he had fleshed it out a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it didn't. And, and I can't really, I can't really criticize for somebody saying how it, how it all played out. But I can, in, at first, I was sort of like, um, when, when I heard the news, I was kind of like, well, that's kind of crappy that he just told us that he wouldn't be here right now if it wasn't for UCLA, you know, being able to get the buyout negotiated. Yeah. And that that's where he wanted to be. And, and, and my first instinct was, well, that's, um, you know, that's kind of, you know, kind of beat my spirits a little bit because he said that. Because I want, because and, and I kind of went to the I want a coach that wants to be here. That's kind of how I felt. But you know, and I, I got thinking later on about that. There's probably a lot of coaches that are at schools that don't care anything about that school necessarily. I guarantee you, Nick Saban doesn't necessarily care about Alabama. He may care a little bit more about it now than what he did before. But he probably just wanted to coach there because it was Alabama. But he didn't really have you know deep feelings for them. And, well, and that's also, okay. you got, and no, I'm okay remember. with. Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Finish up. Finish up, and I'll I'll tell you. Just if he does his job, then I don't care if he does or doesn't want to be here. If he, you know, gets the results that we want, I don't care. You know about his feelings for Tennessee. As long as he does his job, then it doesn't really matter. And that's kind of how I started looking at it later on, um, because not every coach, you know. Just because I want to, there's a lot of bad coaches that would love to be at Tennessee, but won't get it, can't get the job done. So well, at not, this point, I, I really, and I, so at this point, I really don't care if they actually want to be here or not, as long as they win ball games. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make two points to you, and I, and I agree with you um, wholeheartedly as well. Um, Saban was going to take the Texas job, but Matt Brown wouldn't resign. Remember that? Yeah. So, you know, you're absolutely 100% right in bringing that up. And I think part of the uh, problem with us wanting someone who wants to be here, and I think, Powell, you probably subscribe to this as well as I do, and I'm pretty sure every Vols fan does. We all love Coach Fulmer and A.D. Fulmer. We, you know, kind of revere him. There is literally no place else in the world that Fulmer wants to be. 
period. When he was playing, when he was coaching, and now as AD. There is absolutely no other institution in the world where he would want to go. And I think that us as Tennessee fans, we see that. We appreciate that. That's how much we love our school. We feel that way. And I think we get a little bit spoiled by the fact that Fulmer, who has done what he has done, is the way that we feel about our university. Well, and that's extremely yeah. and that's extremely rare to have that person. Yeah. To, and I think that's what we be- become accustomed to, to having the guy who absolutely loves this university would die for it. And you think in in we think everybody should feel that way, and, and not everybody's <laughs> going to feel that way. Yeah, and, I, and well, not, I think, yeah. I'm not even going to bring up Bruce Pearl as someone that loved Tennessee, which I, I truly <laughs> think that he did. Like, I, yeah, I he did. Truly think he loved the university. I'm going to ask you guys real quickly, not to beat the dead horse on this Barnes thing, but just a different viewpoint on: Do you guys think, like, to what you guys have been talking about the past couple minutes here around? Um, you know, I think also we fell in love with the players a lot and they're connected with Barnes obviously. And he helped, you know, bring them along. Goodness gracious, PTC. Are you going through like a wind tunnel or something? Yes. Um, I am. All right. I'm muting him, but no, my point being is, you know, it's these guys, the, the Barnes and these players are all connected. Right. And, we fell in love with this team, and, and Barnes was a part of that. And I think to hear that after such a magical season, he was just re- not ready to – not even like he was looking. They were the ones that called him, but gosh. Right. That mm-hmm. he was literally a buyout away from leaving after such a magical season and how much we fell in love with the players and coaches. And, again, to your point, Powell, we just need somebody that's going to win now. Um, but it just felt different though. It felt from the values that he has and the, again, the way that he's built the program back up, it just felt different. So I think that's why maybe it stings a little bit more. I love to hear your, but I think, but I think you, I think you bring up a good, a good, a very good point when you mentioned Bruce Pearl and his love for Tennessee, Yeah, you know, and, and I think that Tennessee as a, as a school, as a fan base cares more about basketball than what, uh, what Auburn does. But I really there, there is not an Auburn fan that cares right now what Bruce Pearl thinks about Tennessee. Right after the run, the run they just made, right. and so it's in in loyalty to a school, whether you're a, a coach or a recruit, there is no such thing. This is this isn't 1990 anymore. You know, it, you don't get that anymore. It doesn't seem like with especially with recruits, with you know recruits that you know, grew up in the state of Tennessee or had family goes uh, that went to UT or whatever, you know, we was talking about Rutledge and stuff. And um, you just, you don't see that anymore uh, with recruits or with coaches. Yeah. And last point I'll make on Bruce too. Great points, pal. He was also at Tennessee in a dark time, I think with Tennessee as well, um, as far as, you know, football is concerned, right? Tennessee wasn't really doing too well in football, or am I completely wrong here? Um, no, he, kinda, you know, <laughs> am I right or am I wrong? When were we bad in football? Kind of when he was here and he made kind of Tennessee great again. I'm trying to wow. remember when he. Uh, well done. I try to remember when he. Um, like when was Fulmer fired? 2009 it was 2009 okay so yeah and and bruce got here in like 2005 or yeah six, so I'm something wrong. Like i was that. thinking for some reason i was thinking he was he was here kind of in the time the darkness times in football so my point is invalid then so i'll be quiet 
Well, football was up and down. We were having those. Right. We were having years where um, we would win the SEC East one year, and then we would be five hundred the next year. Yep. So yep. it was kind of up and down and stuff, but um, but you know, I think Bruce Bruce's. I think Bruce's love for Tennessee is a little bit different. There's no way he grew up loving Tennessee, but I think Tennessee gave him his first chance when he was probably never going to get because of some of the stuff that went on when he was, um, you know, when with the stuff where he got another coach in trouble and stuff where he accused another coach, you know, the coach of cheating or whatever. And so he was never – we were like the first school that gave him a big chance. And I think that's where his appreciation for Tennessee comes from. Not necessarily because he grew up loving Tennessee. Right. Well, I think, you know – you're, you guys all have great points. And the only thing that you know, I can completely understand how you may have read and did read his comment, uh, a lot of people felt that way and it's kind of gotten past it with a little bit of time. Um, I just wanted to offer a different perspective as a guy who's the same age as Barnes and, and maybe looking through his eyes a little bit differently than some who didn't really grow up when UCLA was just absolutely dominating. And Wooden was the man, and he was, I mean, he was it uh, as far as uh, coaching legends were concerned. And so, you know, I think that uh, also, too, looking at on balance, watching Barnes's interview and the things that he was saying about his prayer time and the thought process. I mean, it, this, it, this, we don't always see the tipping point in all these different coaching scenarios. Um, we don't know how fine a line it is between a coach going to a, a university or B university at any given time. And we just, you know, Barnes obviously brought it out whether or not he should. I, I don't know, but um, he is a man of faith and he wanted to make that known that this was a very, uh, uh, a decision that he made because of his relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And I bring this all up, of course, with this being Easter Sunday. Uh, I am an unapologetic Christian, and uh, I Amen. certainly have uh, rejoiced this Actually, day. I am an apologetic Christian because I enjoy apologetics. Well, apologetics is good. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, I do, too, enjoy apologetics. But the, the funny thing is, of course, with that, even talking with Christians, they don't understand what that means. <laughs> but... Uh, this is a great day and a great uh, time for us all to celebrate our faith and, and uh, to, to celebrate it with those around us and those uh, celebrate those who have gone before us. And uh, I'm just thankful for my mother and father uh, and the influence that they've had on my life, as well as uh, the influence of others, uh, youth directors and ministers throughout my life, coaches uh, who have all poured themselves into me. And I'm uh, uh, certainly a, a byproduct of their love and their uh, concern and, and caring for me throughout my life. And uh, certainly very, very thankful for my relationship with God through Jesus Christ that has uh, really sustained me throughout my life. Amen to that. Yes. And, uh, and you know, I, I had the same feeling that you do um mine's more about uh more toward my wife because i don't know where i would be you know at this point without her because she she pretty she turned my life around 
and stuff. And I'm really, really, really thankful for her and her family um, for what they, uh, you know, accepted me. You know, just I wasn't perfect and uh, and stuff. And uh, she um, she accepted me for who I am, and and now I'm a totally different person than what I was. And I'm very thankful for that. Oh, that's awesome. My, uh, my story starts with uh, with a kid who started having seizures when I was in uh, second grade. This came out of nowhere. You guys know that I've been an insulin-dependent diabetic since I was you know, less than two years old. And it turns out that it was a reaction to the type of insulin I was taking that just caused seizures. And we still don't understand why. It's just an allergic reaction to it. That insulin is thankfully no longer made. But Powell, you will know where this is. Uh, you know where Campbell Station Road is in Farragut. You know where that Cracker Barrel is right there off of Exit 373. I was eating uh, lunch there, or dinner. I cannot remember which. But I was uh, nine years old and on heavy doses of Tegretol, Dilantin, and Depakote. All three anti-seizing medications for those of you who aren't in the uh, medical industry. And I had just looked past my mom and just kind of got that thousand yard stare that sometimes kids get uh, when they're on that type of medication. And my mom asked me, you know, who are you looking at? And I didn't say anything. She looked over her shoulder and didn't see anything but a bunch of dirty dishes on the table. She turned around and said, you know, PTC, who are you looking at? And I said, Mama PTC, I'm looking at uh, Mary. Now, mind you, they're my best friend's mom's name was Mary, who was on the street that I lived on. Mm-hmm. And Mama PTC turned back to see if there was anybody there. Didn't see anybody and asked me who it was again. And I said, it's Jesus' mommy, Mary. And Mama PTC just mm-hmm. kind of looked at me and he was like, okay, I'm not real sure I get that. And the best part about it is that was the week of Easter. As a fact, it was the Thursday before the day Jesus died. So it was Thursday before Good Friday. Since that day forth in 1990, I have yet to have another seizure. Wow. Wow. So there is absolutely no doubt in my mind exactly what he is who he is and that he is everything he says he is amen to that awesome. uh, yeah i think that any of us uh, one of the things that i've always thought about is and i think maybe as c.s lewis wrote this is that belief in god is a matter of faith seeking knowledge and i think that uh as you continue your walk uh to get to know who jesus is and and how you would like to, how we aspire to live our lives, um, that uh, over time <clears throat> we get into situations where God has a chance to reveal himself to us. And uh, <clears throat> I've been very thankful the number of times throughout my life, through my athletic career, through my personal life, that God has revealed himself in very powerful ways to the point that it would be intellectually dishonest for me to deny his existence and his love for me and and for all of us, uh, no matter who we are, no matter where we come from, no matter what we've done, he loves us and he wants us to love him. You're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. Amen. Except for Georgia Tech, apparently he's got no thoughts on this. No, I like I like hearing uh, and listening to the different stories and things like that. So I talk enough as it is, but. 
No, I think this is a special day. It's kind of weird uh, for me because, um, as you guys know, over the group text, I had a um, some plumbing issues in my house and water mm-hmm. underneath all my hardwoods and have been ripping all those up and fans going for the past you know three days now. And so my wife and my son are up in Charlotte with in-laws and I was away from them uh, for Easter, which was interesting um what in the heck was that ptc i don't even want to know (laughs) my computer going stupid (laughs) (laughs) i'm sure and uh but anyway so it was weird but i you know being away from my kind of family but i got to have uh, my sister-in-law who lives with with us she you know we did our church routine and got to hang out in the city of atlanta and stuff together today so it was a fun a fun day but again just the uh at our church today, there were over 300 people that accepted Christ uh, today, which was pretty oh, wow. cool. Um, we had a, a number of different, you know, we're kind of a bigger church, I guess, but I, I don't know what, how you constitute a big one if it's, you know, 20,000 people. Or, you know, we're not a big church then, but, um, you know, big. we have a big heart, and I truly believe that and have a heart for the city and, and for the world, but mostly the city of Atlanta because there's a lot of folks in, in the city, and I just really enjoy it. So I'll you know, try to shorten this up here. But again, that was the coolest part for me was, um, you know, again, just the worship experience. Um, I'm, I'm big on the music. That's how I connect with God is, uh, through music and, and lyrics and, and, you know, a lot of the worship songs and stuff. So that's really, um, God really speaks to me through a lot of those things. And, and my pastor, I'm really, um, thankful for him, Louis Giglio. He's, he's really awesome. So I've learned a lot from him over the past few years, you know, especially just digging into my faith and trying to be a better man. I know I'm a big troll, but, you know, really to the core of me, I'm not, I try to be a better man every day. So, um, but again, the, the coolest thing was today, again, over 300 people accepting Christ, which was awesome. So, um, you know, that's what it's really all about is, uh, loving God and loving on people. So that's my Easter story for today. Well, guys, I really don't think there's much of anything else we need to talk about. <laughs> um, <laughs> that That's pretty powerful, guys. I mean, that's obviously it's all of what today is for. And, you know, you've you talked about being intellectually dishonest. And I'll say this last thing real quick, bleed orange. Mm-hmm. The biggest evidence to me that Christ is who he says he is. What happened after he appeared to everybody? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, the apostles completely quit doubting everything. I mean, they all died horrendous deaths because of him. If that was a falsification, there's not a single person on this earth that would be willing to die for it. And people were crucified upside down because of it. That's my, that's 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 the only evidence that you really need in my opinion. Well, that's true. That's, that's what the whole thing turns on. And uh, most people understand uh, unfortunately, not all, but I think most people understand that somebody will not die for something that they know to be a lie. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, 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 the things that I like is that the disciples didn't paint themselves as these holy men <clears throat> who once Jesus died on the cross, they're all jumping up and down saying, we believe, we believe. They were stunned at that. Many of them still believe that he was going to be sending up his kingdom on earth. And uh, to see the way these men's lives and their hearts changed uh, upon seeing him afterwards in the hearts and lives of so many others who, who gave their lives for him. 
uh, certainly was the uh, the turning point. And as we turn it back to Rick Barnes, just like UCLA and Tennessee job, <laughs> he was seeking God's will. Well, gentlemen, begin simply because of the day it is. May we realize that he is risen. He is no longer here, but he walks among us. Vol Nation. Amen. I'm going to give it up to the questers one last time. What you got for all of our uh, fans out there in Vol Nation and around the country that enjoy listening to us? I want to say we, uh, I, I want to thank you, PTC, for hosting. You did a great job tonight. Um, thank you. And a lot of stuff to talk about today. So I thought it was really good, a fun discussion. And uh, hope everybody enjoyed the podcast tonight. But thank you, PTC, for hosting. Always great to Thanks hear PTC, uh, Georgia Tech, and Powell, and your, your guys' thoughts, and and having a nice conversation and, and some back and forth on some thoughts on things tonight. And uh, praise God for this day, and everybody have a blessed week in uh, Big Orange Nation. Completely agree. And thanks for for uh, hopping back on, Powell. I know it's been you've been busy with a bunch of stuff, so we're glad to have you on too, man. It's been a minute. Definitely glad to be here. Well, Vol Nation, we wish you a uh, wonderful week as we conclude Holy Week and the greatest event that ever happened in the history of man. We wish you a blessed and wonderful evening. And go Vols.